Let us pray. Lord, we come again to you today and we bow before you. We bow before the God of heaven and earth. We bow before the one that's our Father in heaven. We bow before the one that is the creator of it all. We bow before the one that gave us our own identity, that fingerprint on our thumb to remind us how special we are because no one else on this planet will be born with that picture. We bow before you because we may call you Father because you call us children. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. We come and we, in a sense, apologize that we walk around as, a, as if we are the ones that control this world. We are a little bit like gods, we sometimes think. But you are God, not us. So we come to you and we recognize who you are and who we are. And that we can't really live this life without your direction. No, we can't live without your salvation that you gave down to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. As we are going to read a piece of Scripture today, Lord, I ask that you will use me and the words that Paul wrote to help us find our way through this very complicated time that we live in, that we as your church may hear in this what it is that you would like us to be and to do, that we can make you proud as your children. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I started off this series quite a few weeks ago. You know, we talked about love and hope and the taste of faith and who we are, what we believe, and that God is definitely smarter than we are. And then we talked about the rooster, the thing that's on the steeple of the churches in Europe. Of course, Reformed churches have roosters and not crosses. I spoke about anxiety last week, and today we are going to get to then do not enter. I read this story, and it's a true story, of a young pastor that got a call to a very small rural congregation in the Appalachian Mountains. And he preached his first sermon, and it all went well. And afterwards, you know, he was saying hi to people, and they were really happy to have him. And then one of the elders said to him, I need to chat with you. Can I quickly just meet you in your office? And the pastor was a little bit concerned. He thought he did something wrong. And the guy said, relax. He said, okay, I just want to ask you something. Close the door. He said, if you drive out of our town to the west, there's a gravel road that goes into the mountains. He says, promise me today you will, for the next 30 days, not drive up that road. The pastor said, why? He said, I can't really tell you. It's all I ask of you. Trust me, do not drive up this road for 30 days. Pastor left, and he thought, that's a weird kind of, 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 of sort of uh, uh, thing that this guy asked of him to do, but it's okay. Two or three weeks later, there was this huge breaking news thing that the feds actually then had an operation in the mountains and they shut down an illegal drug and moonshine thing that was going on there. And then he saw this elder again at the next worship service. The elder said, I hope now you know why I asked of you that thing. He said, I couldn't tell you because I was part of the operation. I'm in the sheriff's office and, I was, and I could, we couldn't tell anyone that was going to, to pan out in the mountains because we didn't know who would tell those guys and, and it would compromise the whole thing. And the pastor said to him, but why did you say to me 30 days? He said, well, we didn't know how long it would take before this sting operation would take place. 
And these guys do not know you. And it will take them 30 days to know that you are in town. They will recognize your car because they are in town, you are in town. And at least if they didn't drive up the road, they would not shoot you. Because they knew something was coming down. I just wanted to keep you safe, but I couldn't give you all the information. Thank you for listening. We all have told our kids the same thing. When my daughter was younger, I would say to her, my son, if, if you walk down a city and there's an alleyway that looks like this, you don't go there, man. You stay away. If there are some of these unruly characters standing ar around, you know, um, like most of the congregation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If there are some of these weird people standing around, you say to your kids, go walk on the other side of the street if you see this person coming out. We just want our children, our people to be safe. Paul, you, you know, I, I've, I, I've, um, in the last few weeks, I've read a lot of New Testament, just for fun. You're supposed to do this. It's, it's really funny. Oh, I mean, fun, not funny. And I, and I realized how much Paul loves the churches that he wrote the letters to. He wasn't sitting there behind his desk, you know, upset with the Corinthians. Those were the only guys that irritated him a little bit. But, but if you read the letters that Paul wrote to the congregations in, in the New Testament, he really wrote those letters almost like a parent would write a letter to his child at university. My child, I, I care for you. I love you. I, I, I'm really committed to you. And in this letter that Paul wrote to the congregation in Ephesus, twice he says, and I'm praying for you guys. Please know this. I'm lifting you up to God because I know you live in a world with a lot of distractions. When my kids went off to college, I said to them, you guys need to, need to stand strong. There's a world out there that you do not know that well. Your mom and I have been exposed to it a little bit, but not in America, in a different country. So I have no idea what to tell you, but I just can tell you, man, stay strong. It's going to be interesting. And as they would come home weekend after weekend, I would say, so tell me, what is it like to be on a university campus in America? Because we've never been, my wife and I. They said, Dad, we need to stay strong. I said, yeah, I understand. I, 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 we, we, we got that thing. Paul writing to this church is asking of them to stay strong because there are so many, so many distractions and so many dangerous options, options. You see, Paul is writing to his congregation because he wants them to be okay. And the congregation is not a building. He's talking to the people. He's talking to the people sitting in this church today in 2022. He says, there are certain roads that I would not like you to guys to go on. Certain roads that you just need to stay clear of because they are not healthy for you. They are not good for you. They are actually extremely unsafe. And this is what we find in, uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, 4, sorry, all the way through 5. So then putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must gift up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with the seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and wrangling, and slander. 
together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do not enter the road of falsehood, Paul says. Believe in, know, trust, and create your own truth. You know, my sermon series has to do with a time like this, but it's not only in our time. But it's maybe more visible in our time how much people live a falsehood. It is to me shocking that there's constantly a reference to fake news, to false statements. You know, many times you think if anything is online, it must be true. It's definitely not. And I think the reason is that we are now so connected online that, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up and I knew the few kids down the street, and that's it. And I knew the few people that my parents hung out with that were their friends. That's it. So the only people I saw in our living room or in our, at our dining room table were only the people that were close to us. We didn't have TV when I grew up. We got TV in South Africa when I was in college. Fantastic to grow up without a TV. Now we live in a time when you do not only have people on your TV that you don't really always like that much, but they are there constantly, but we are also constantly connected to people, not only down the street, but over the whole planet. That's trying to tell you and me how we should think and how we should operate and what's going on in this world. And a lot of the stuff they are telling us is not true. It's not true. And sadly, we live now in a time where it seems to me that if you tell a lie and you are caught telling a lie, then you can say, but it's my truth. So, so my truth is in something that I have fabricated that's not really based on evidence or on, or, or on science or on anything else, but it's now my truth and I'm allowed to have this truth that I have created because this is how I would like then to live my life. And eventually we start to live a lie. And the moment when you live a lie, then actually you can't really trust yourself and, and nobody can really trust you. And the problem is that it causes always, it causes harm to relationships. You know, the Bible is a book of relationships and what God wants us and what Paul wants his congregation to experience, what Paul wants us and the Lord wants us to experience in 2022 is to live an okay life. But what the Lord is telling us, he says, the moment when you start to live a lie, then you are actually going to struggle with relationships because no one can trust you. So tell the truth. Even though it's harmful and hurtful sometimes to yourself, tell brutally, honestly the truth. Rather be in trouble for what you have done than for who you are. Rather be in trouble for what you've done than for who you are. Because if you tell a lie, it's your integrity that is gone. But if you tell the truth, your integrity is still fine, but you will still be in trouble for the thing you've done, but that can be resolved. Hurting and harming, Paul says, the body, if you don't tell the truth. How many relationships do I know that I work with where people live in relationship with their spouses, their children, children with parents, and they are destroyed because of the lies in the relationships? Spoke to someone recently where the family told me they can't trust this child of theirs. They, they don't live in Orlando. They can't trust this child because this child have constantly been telling them lies. And now there's an issue between the mom and the dad and the other child. It's just a mess. It's just difficult. 
one child telling lies, causing all this havoc and all of this pain. Paul, you are the people of God. The Lord came and He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life to say what I tell you is the truth. And therefore, if the Lord tells me something about God in heaven, I believe it with my whole heart. Because if I don't believe God, who can I believe? He said, trust me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I ask of you guys to live the same. You are but one body, and if my body starts to lie to another part, then there's a problem. So if I put my hand on the stove of my head for kids to tell me you, you are getting burnt, then there's a big problem to the body. Then there's something else, the law, the lie of silence. <laughs> you know, countless of times, people would say, well, you know, I knew, but I didn't say, because I don't think it was my place. It is your place. If we don't correct behavior, we are telling a lie to ourselves that it's okay. So if I see behavior that's completely outside of God's will, kindly and respectfully, I need to try to help correct that behavior because if I do not do this, I'm accountable. I'm part of the problem. Because at the end of the day, I get into bed and I lie there and I say, well, it has nothing to do with me. That's a lie. It has everything to do with you. Because God has asked us to make a change to this world because otherwise we have no calling. We have no place. I chose these pillars that are grounded on a solid foundation because without a solid foundation that building will not stand. And I believe with all my heart one of the most solid foundations that any relationship needs is that one, is the one of truth. Then Paul comes and he says, stay away from the road of uncontrolled anger. In a time like this, we have a lot of people that are really angry. And I think I sometimes can understand why. They are angry about what's going on in our town. They are angry about what's going on in our state, what's going on in our country, what's going on in the world. They are angry about what's going on in their families. They are just angry about a lot of things. And normally when people are angry at some point, you can't handle it anymore, then you lash out. And when you lash out, it's that moment when you lose your temper and you say way more than you should say. And then you are the one at the end that needs to apologize. Then the other option is when you are angry is that you keep quiet. You know, you treat people with the silent treatment. You don't speak to the person for a week or two or three because you are now upset and you think that will resolve the issue. Uncontrolled anger hurts people. Again, we are back to the Bible. That's a book of relationships. And therefore, I always need to ask myself the question, so what will my behavior what impact will my behavior have on the people that I'm connected with? So Paul comes and he says the following, he says, be angry but do not sin. You see, uh, emotions, you can't turn an emotion off. It's impossible. Uh, the only thing I can control is how I'm going to respond to an emotion. So, so I will get excited, and I can jump up and down and try to make a cartwheel for me. It will not work anymore, I promise you. I will have thing if I do a cartwheel. That will not work anymore. So if I'm excited, I can decide how am I going to respond to this excitement. If I get really angry about something, I can not really control the anger. That will come, but I have a choice how to respond to that emotion. All of us at some point will have a temptation 
you sit and there's this huge chocolate cake sitting right in front of you, and you, say, and you know, I should not eat this. And you have this huge temptation, warm donuts from that donut world place. Uh, a chocolate cake, ice cream, I don't want to talk about ice cream, that's irrelevant. We, that's not a temptation, that's a need. That's, a, that's an important thing. <laughs> but all of us at some point in our lives sit with this temptation that will come. I can't stop that. But Paul says you can control the other end. Do not sin. Do not sin. But let's first say, what is righteous anger? There's something like righteous anger. I think it's okay for a Christian to be anger about, angry about the evil in this world and the unrighteousness in this world and the social injustice in many ways in this world and how badly people are treated. You know, if you look at the passages where the Lord got upset, all of those passages had to do with the kingdom of God being harmed or people being harmed. Christ didn't get upset because normal stuff. He got upset because the kingdom of God was harmed. People once said, why did he get upset with that fig tree when he left Jerusalem and there was no fruit on the fig tree? Christ did that thing with the fig tree to say you will never bear fruit again because he just returned from Jerusalem and he realized, but that is what his church is doing and that tree became a symbol only of the church who's not bearing any fruit. But all the other times when Christ got upset, all about the kingdom of God that was harmed or hurt. The name of God. If people wouldn't get upset about righteous things, then this world probably, probably would have still been in slavery and all kinds of bad things would still continue to happen. But people fought against things that were wrong. But what does it mean not to, to sin? So, so what is sin? I've had countless of young people say to me, but what is sin? And I would say sin has to do, and I'm back, to relationships. You, you, you see, sin means that I'm not listening to God, so I'm, I'm, I'm harming my relationship with Him because then He says, if, if you don't listen to me, who I, am I in your life? Sin is when you harm other people because God says protect other people because I don't want you to cause them pain and suffering. So if the Lord says, be angry, get upset about stuff, but do not sin, He says, first think about your relationship with me and with other people before you respond because you represent my name. My kingdom, my glory, and I ask of you to build and not to break. I'm almost done. I'm going to go quickly through this. Don't go up the road of bitterness. You see, the, uh, Paul says, I'm, going to look, I'm not going to preach about everything he says in this passage. It'll take too long. You see, Paul says, do not let your, that the sun set over your anger. Because the falling happens if somebody irritates you during the day, your wife, your spouse, or your spouse, or whatever, or your child makes you angry, so now you steam a little bit. You do not address it correctly, biblically. Now you lie in bed and you're really upset. And it festers in you. The next morning when you greet them, you greet them and you are different. I, I know of a couple that almost got divorced because of a pen. Not this pen, the nicer pen. This kid, his dad gave him a pen. And he really loved this pen. When he wrote his final exams at high school, whatever, and his dad gave him his pen, and he was treasuring this pen all his life. And, and he got married, and then one day his pen was missing. And he asked his wife, where's the pen? And she said, I don't know. I went to the mail, to the post office. Maybe I forgot it there. And he was freaking out. His pen is missing. I want my pen. You look for my pen. Eventually she found the pen, and she threw his pen at him and says, yes, your stupid pen. 
That night when they got into bed, he was lying there and he wanted to just lie close to her or whatever. And she turned her back on him because he was upset with her because of the pain. Next morning he woke up, she didn't make breakfast because, or he didn't eat, sorry, he didn't eat the breakfast that she made because he felt a little bit better. That evening when she got home or he got home, she didn't make dinner. Hmm. A pen. A fight about a pen. Slowly but surely turned into this huge thing in the relationship. And they ended up in my office in South Africa. Where did it start? A pen. A resentment. An anger was not resolved. They went to bed angry. They got up and there was a resentment. They went through the day and slowly the resentment was building because now you're looking at the other one and say, look what he or she is doing. He or she is doing this to get back at me. Paul, don't be stupid. As Christians, as children of God, don't live with resentment and hatred in your heart because it will take your joy away. I, I discover in the Bible that God really wants us to enjoy life and our relationships. We are created for relationships. Your, your, your relationship at home should be a little bit of heaven, like, like a taste of heaven. And how can you do this? Follow the rules. That's it. How do you win a game? You follow the rules. Do not steal. I know you guys don't steal. You know, we, we do not steal. But what we do steal is joy. I read somewhere, and I, I need to get done now. I, I read somewhere, somebody said, you know, there are these daylight vampires. What's a daylight vampire? It's those people that suck the life out of you during daytime. When they leave you, you stand there deflated. <sighs> they just took everything out of me. Because they are overburdening over you and they're complaining and they're hard. And they just steal your joy. Paul says, don't be a daylight vampire, please. Because you steal the life out of other people because you are so busy with yourself. He says, no, go and work that you can give away. Not only financially and maybe in the goods that you have, but go and uplift yourself so much that you can give some of your joy and some of your fun away to others. You know, I, I, I really like people. Um, and I like to observe them. I know people a little bit. Uh, and, and I sometimes when I look at people uh, from the distance, I, I see that they are so joyless. And I thought to myself, why? How many days do I have le left on this planet? I have no idea. The living Lord knows. And therefore the Lord wants me to enjoy today as if it's my last. But now I don't enjoy my day because if it's my last because I got upset about a pen. Isn't that stupid? Enjoy, but also share your joy. I'm done. <laughs> Stay clear of selfishness. So this guy walked into the pastor's office. He said, oh, you know, can't the church help this woman? She lives in an apartment and she can't pay her rent, you know, and, and, and her daughter has cancer and her dog is not doing well. And he went through the list of things. He says, you know, and the pastor said, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, we may be able to help this woman. How do you know her? He says, I'm her landlord. Okay. Paul, be kind. Kindness is not that easy in our time anymore. 
It's amazing. It's not only in America, but, but in the in South, Southern South America countries and even in Africa and even in the East, if you, if you listen to those news, they, ha they have now politicians fighting in their, in their assemblies where they meet. The world is so divided, and, and it seems to me we can't, in a, in, a, in a civilized way, talk anymore about our differences. Because you are different from me, politically, or whatever, I don't want to see you, I don't want to, I'm not sorry, Sam, I'm pointing at you, but I, you, you're great, man. You, because you are so different, I, I, I don't talk to you, I don't reach out, I, I, I'm angry when I see you. That's the world that we live in now, isn't it? Nothing can get resolved. Look at people as if they need you. All people are struggling. All of us are dragging this weight of our past with us. And always when I see people now, sometimes difficult, I say to myself, you must have had a bad childhood. You must probably not be doing today good today because you're acting really a little bit like a, yeah, not a nice person. Forgive. Be kind. Tenderhearted in, in Greek actually means to have a very soft heart. Forgiving. Forgiving. Every single person, I'm now done with this, every single person in this congregation sitting here has had someone in your life cause you pain, heart, or hurt. Don't tell me you've not had someone in your life cause you pain. All of, us, all of us bear the scars of living life in this world. And a lot of us can't let go of what that person has done to me, or people, or group. People have lost their wealth, they've lost their health, they've lost relationships, they've lost people because of an individual or a group or something that someone has done to them. The Bible says, let it go. God knows. He will take care of them. That's his thing. Let it go because you will lose your joy if you can't forgive. Now you can't, it says there, danger thin ice. <laughs> it says there, do not climb, play on and around the pipe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are 25 to 35 people sitting on the pipe. And it says, don't plug, climb. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? We like to do the opposite of what the right thing is to do, isn't it? And that is what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. He says you are surrounded by a world that will drag you in that direction to do the opposite of what is right. The only way I can protect you and protect with respect then, the kingdom of God is by asking of you guys not to go up certain roads. Because those roads may be dangerous. Not only to you, but also to the other people that surround you. So for your safety, for the kingdom of God that needs to be protected, because we represent His name, stay away. Stay away from uncontrolled anger, from falsehoods, from lies. Stay away from hurting, harming, resentment, and anger, and hatred. Stay away from being selfish. Stay away from all of these things. It will only hurt you, others, but my friends most of all, who we represent in this world, and that's Jesus Christ himself. Amen.